0: My name's Doug, one of the pastors here for City Light, Um, and like Andrew said, Chris and Gavin, who planted this thing um, a couple years ago, they're away um, at a pastor's conference in Cancun, Mexico. Yeah, I mean, being a pastor is hard, especially when you have to go to Cancun for a conference. So just pray for them, would you? Like they're suffering for Jesus down there, just pray. Pray for him, okay? Speaking of prayer, that's what we're talking about this morning. Prayer. Talking to God and listening to God. Prayer. The very mention of it brings up feelings of guilt, shame, procrastination. I, I would guess, if I were to poll our church and ask the question, do you have a, a wonderful, healthy, enriching prayer life? About 97% of us would probably say, no, I don't. There'd probably be actually a few of you people who would look at me and be like, what's a prayer life? What are you talking about? And then there'd be about 1 or 2% of you who would say, yes, I do. I love to pray. For most of us, prayer is connected to feelings of guilt. But I think what we're going to see this morning in Luke chapter 6 is that for Jesus... Prayer wasn't connected to guilt, nor shame, nor procrastination. Prayer was connected to power. For Jesus, prayer was connected to power. It's like my iPhone. I don't want to hear from any of you droids, it's like my iPhone. It's a wonderful, powerful machine. I take notes on here, keep a calendar for my work on here, for my family on here. We keep our family budget. You can check the weather. I check soccer scores. You can do all sorts of things on your iPhone. Some 1.2 million apps available for download. It is a really powerful machine as long as it actually has power. In fact, I have to charge my iPhone just about every day. You'd think for such a wonderful machine, they'd figure out a way that you don't have to charge it so often. But they haven't figured that out yet. So I have to charge my iPhone just about every 24 hours. I charge it up, and then I use it, and the power goes out. Charge it up, the power goes out. Charge it up, the power goes out. That's the pattern. Here's kind of the surprising thing. Jesus had a similar pattern in his life. Not with his iPhone. He didn't have one. Probably not, because they didn't really exist back then. But he had a similar pattern just with himself. When you track Jesus, especially in the Gospel of Luke, you see this pattern where he would withdraw. He would get away to pray to recharge his batteries. And then he would return with power. Then he would get away to pray and be recharged, return with power. Get away to pray, return with power. Get away to pray, return with power. Luke especially highlights this pattern in his Gospel Starting in Luke chapter 4, you see Jesus gets away for 40 days to pray and fast. He's recharging his batteries. And then Luke 4 verse 14 says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee. Then you go another chapter, Luke 5, and you see verse 16, where it says, Jesus often withdrew to desolate, to isolated places to pray. He's getting away to recharge. The very next verse, Luke 5, 17 says, the power of the Lord was present to heal. That's the pattern. Jesus gets away to pray. He returns with power. Then you get to our chapter this week, Luke chapter 6. The chapter starts out with a couple of stories about how Jesus breaks these man-made, made-up rules about the Sabbath. He lets his disciples eat some snacks on the Sabbath. That was a no-no. He heals a guy on the Sabbath. That was a no-no. So these religious leaders are just, they're furious at Jesus. And they're conspiring and talking, what are we going to do with him? How are we going to get rid of him? So Jesus, he's facing opposition. Jesus is in controversy. His life is overloaded, it's exhausted, it's stressful. So what does Jesus do? Luke 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray. He gets away to recharge. Then, Luke 6, verse 19. And all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. There's the pattern. He gets away to pray. He gets recharged. He comes back. Power goes out to heal. Jesus had a pattern in his life that connected prayer to power. It connected prayer to power. So we just looked at verse 12 and 19. That's kind of the bookends of our passage this morning. What I want us to do now is look in between those verses, build it out a little bit, and see just how did Jesus connect prayer to power. So go back to verse 12, and let's read the whole thing, the whole verse. Luke 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Point number one this morning is really simple. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. Prayed. Many of us, we might think that prayer is this. Strange mystical practice that's reserved for professional Christians, like pastors or interns or priests. Or we might think that prayer is a—it's a form of penance, of penance th- something we need to do to get back in the good graces of God after we committed a sin. Or we think that prayer has to have like fancy words in it, like thou and thee with two e's, not just one e, and you know, awesome, most holy, above all, you know, whatever it might be. But actually, prayer isn't quite like that. Prayer is really quite simple. Prayer is like talking, just like you and I might talk. Jesus prayed. He talked to the Father and listened to the Father. You might think of prayer like this. When my, the children in our family, when they get done with their dinner, they don't say, Oh, most reverent Father, who... Sits at the head of the table and rules from on high with power and love. And oh, most reverent mother who provides rich fare for, to satisfy the needs of our hunger. And oh, holy parents, might I arise from my humble seat and put my plate in the kitchen. You know, like they don't do that. They just say, hey, mom and dad, can I be excused, please? And we say, yep, sure right? It's just simple conversation. It's just talking back and forth. Prayer is like that. It's just talking back and forth. You don't have to have the right words. You don't have to have fancy words. In fact, you may have no words at all, but God as Father, He delights. He loves it when we come to Him. I nearly played a solo. When we come to Him and just get time with Him. I remember a few years ago, um, I came home from work Right about the time that our two oldest children, they were probably like six and three at the time, our two oldest children were finishing up a movie called My Dog Skip. It's a wonderful show about a boy and his dog, okay? And so, like, you know, the boy gets the dog. It's wonderful. They kind of go through childhood a little bit together. And then, like, there's this moment where the dog, like, gets hurt, and he, like, kind of dies. But then the vet brings him back to life. You're like, yay, yeah, a resurrected dog. And it's, it's great, all that sort of stuff. But then the last three minutes of the movie go so fast, and the boy grows old. He goes off to college. The dog grows old, and he dies again, okay? So I get home, and I can just see this look on my six-year-old son's face, you know, he's like confused, sorrowful. He's starting to get the misty eyes, you know. So I pull him over to me. I'm like, hey, hey, buddy, like, what's wrong? Like he, he can't talk. I'm like, yeah. well, buddy, like, do you know what's going on? I don't know, and he, right? He just starts crying. He, I knew what was wrong. He had just watched this like tearjerker, heart-wrenching movie about a boy and his dog. That's gonna make any young son cry, right? I knew what was wrong. He didn't, but as a father, I didn't care if he could articulate the emotions of his heart to me or present his request to me with proper words. I was just excited and glad to hold him while he cried. That's prayer. You don't have, have to have the right words or the fancy words. You may have no words at all. But God, as Father, delights to be with you and hear your heart because he knows your heart. Prayer is simple. It's really simple, just like conversation. But here's the deal. As simple as prayer is, it's not easy, is it? We all know this. Prayer might be simple, but it's not easy. My friend Alex Marquez helped me understand this. As simple as conversation might be, that doesn't mean it's easy, okay? Now, let me just say that some of you, you have the spiritual gift of talking. You talk. You talk a lot, okay? You have the gift of gab, okay? Others of you are more like me. I grew up in a home. It was a wonderful home, but there was like more guys than gals. It was me, my brother, my dad, and my mom. Poor mom. It's one of those homes where there's more grunting than talking, you know? And so then I get married, and my wife, she wants to talk a lot. <laughs> I come home, and she's like, how was your day, honey? Good. Well, like, what, was, what does that mean? Good? I, I don't know. I was like, good? Not good enough, you know? And then she goes on, and she starts asking me how I feel about things that happened in my day, right? Well, how do you feel about that? Good? What does good mean? I don't know. It means good, right? I, I learned what she had to do. She went and got these um, refrigerator this refrigerator magnet that has like the faces on them. They're like emoticons on our phones now. Back then, they weren't on our phones. Like happy, sad, glad, bad, mad, that sort of thing. And I had to point at the face that I'm most identified with. Here's what I learned. Talking is hard. It takes work, conversation, relationship. Talking is difficult. It takes practice. Words are hard, and talking is even more harderer. It's difficult. <laughs> prayer is similar. Prayer may be as simple as conversation, but it's difficult. It takes practice. Prayer takes practice. So here's the question for us, City Light. How are you practicing prayer? How are you practicing talking to God? City Light, the most basic way that you can experience God is through prayer. So let's just make this personal. In your notes, I want you to write down something that's personal to you. Write down a 30-minute block this week when you can practice prayer. When you, in your schedule, your time, you know your world, when you can practice talking to God. Now, I know I just read the verse, Jesus prayed all night long, okay? But for me, probably for you, we just need to throw a party if we get 30 minutes, right? That will be a big, gigantic, huge success, and we're going to celebrate, okay? And when you get those 30 minutes, some of you, you're going to need to journal out and write down your prayer just so you can keep track of your thoughts. Others of you, you're going to pace in the basement and just talk out loud to God and feel like he's listening and hearing and talking back to you. Others of you, you're going to have to open up the book of Psalms and just read the Psalms because you don't got words, but it has words. Others of you are going to get away and you're going to pray for like 90 seconds and then be like, I'm done. The Lord loves it even when we don't have words. Just spend the next 28 minutes with him in his presence. He's going to be celebrating. He's going to be excited, okay? Find 30 minutes this week to pray. Now, let's keep going. Point number one, Jesus prayed. Look what happens next, verses 13 through 16. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called a zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So let's make this connection between prayer and power. Jesus prayed, and he was empowered to make decisions. Jesus prayed, and he was empowered to make decisions. He prayed all night long, and the next morning when he rose, he Chose his 12 disciples, the guys he would invest in, pour into, train up, and send out as apostles. Jesus prayed and he was empowered to make decisions. And the way that Luke narrates this story, it doesn't seem like God boomed down from on high with a roll call of these 12 guys, nor did he hand Luke a stone tablet with the 12 names on it, right? Instead, it seems that Jesus got away to pray, he was recharged, and he was given wisdom, courage, and power to make a decision. And so it might be in your life in my life. You're facing a big decision. Should you move or should you stay? Which job should you take? Which major should you choose? Which sport should you play this year? You're facing a big decision, and you need the power to make that decision. Therefore, you get away to pray. And when you get away to pray, God might not boom down from on high with the answer. He might not hand you a stone tablet with the answer. He might, he's been known to do that sort of thing, but he might not. But instead, what I can say will happen is when you get away to pray, you will be empowered to make a decision and live with the results. You will be recharged, reconnected to God, reacquainted with who he is and how he is. And as you're recharged, reconnected to the Father, you're empowered to make a decision and live with the results. Jesus prayed and was empowered to make a decision. That's number two. Let's go on to the next part of the story. Luke 6, verses 17 through 19. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Okay, just stop right there. Jesus, he comes down. He doesn't stay pulled away. After getting some time to recharge his prayer batteries, he comes back down with his disciples and gets with the people. Keep going. The people who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him. Why? For power came out from him and healed them all. Jesus gets away to pray. Jesus prays and he's empowered to make a decision. Jesus prays, number three, he's empowered to heal. Jesus prays and he is empowered to heal. And you might say, well, no, no, he healed because he was God. Not exactly, okay? Jesus was God. Okay? Jesus is God, but Luke works really hard in the way he narrates his story to help us make the connection that Jesus didn't heal by tapping into his divinity, but Jesus had the power to heal by getting alone with the Father, filled up with the Spirit, and praying. Jesus could have pulled the God card, but he didn't. Instead, he prayed, was filled with the Holy Spirit, gave that power away through prayer. Jesus accessed the power of God through prayer prayer. Do you know what that means? That means the very same thing can happen through you and through me. The very same thing can happen through you and through me. And you might say, whoa, slow down, Doug. Like, I am not Jesus. True. You're not But if you've put your faith in Jesus, he has given you the same Holy Spirit who is in him, empowering him in his ministry of healing. If you've put your faith in Jesus, you have the very same tool, prayer, to access the power of God. And you're like, oh, maybe, Doug, but I mean, those healings, those miracles, that sort of stuff, that that was for back then, in in, in Jesus' time. That was for him But here's the deal. Jesus himself, just a few chapters later, he says to his disciples, I'm sending you out and I give you authority and power. It wasn't just for Jesus. And then later on, John 14, Jesus says, hey, you all are gonna do greater works than I do because I'm going to be with the Father. I'm gonna send you the helper, the Holy Spirit. And then later on, after his death and resurrection, he's ascending back up to heaven to be with the Father and his followers are there and he goes, okay, hang on guys, before you go anywhere, before you do anything, just sit tight, wait around a little bit, stay in Jerusalem until when? Until you receive Power from on high. Then you're going to be my witnesses all around the world, right? And then that happens. It really happens, and all these apostles, Jesus guys that he chose, they're seeing this. They're observing this, and Peter stands up and starts preaching. He's saying, "Hey, this power that came down is not just for us. It's not just for the apostles. It's for all of you—sons, daughters, men, women, young, old, slavery—all of you get this power. The Holy Spirit who comes down from on high." And so then you read the book of Luke and it, or the book of Acts, and it happens. Lame men, walking blind men, seeing there's earthquakes that happen just to get guys out of jail. I mean, not normal stuff being done through and in normal people. It's all right there in the Bible. That stuff, those healings, the the healing power, the miracles, it wasn't just for Jesus' person or Jesus' time way back then. Instead, Jesus came through and he paved the way. For these healings, these miracles to roll right on throughout history, demonstrating the power of his gospel, magnifying his person and his work all the way up until today, right here, right now, City Light Church in Omaha, Nebraska. City Light, we have the Holy Spirit. We have prayer. If you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. You have access to the very power of God through prayer. You, not the dude next to you or the person behind you. You have access to the very power of God through prayer. It's a little bit startling, right? Like on the one hand, I'm like, power, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with this, right? It's a little bit startling. I I remember 15 years ago when I first uh, was like discovering and submitting to this this truth. I'd done a bunch of reading and studying of the scriptures, and I came to say, yes, you know, open my mind up to the, the present-day power of Jesus to heal. And so after a little while, I was slowly teaching that to the college group that I led at the time in a church. And one weekend, we had 30 or 40 of our like um, city group, they we call them life group, we had our leaders away for a weekend, like a retreat. And so I was just kind of going through and teaching the biblical basis for um, healing today. So after I taught a little bit, I was like, well, hey, let's practice this. Let's not just study it, let's practice it. So I asked for some volunteers. I was like, uh, anybody, you know, you want to receive prayer for healing? Maybe you have a cold or, you know, you grew up with a disease or something like that, and they go, well, Doug, why don't we pray for you? You've been complaining about your back for a few weeks. I was like, yeah, but I, I mean, do any of you want to receive Prayer for healing, like deflection works, um, especially when you're a leader. But not with these guys. Do any of you want to receive prayer for healing? And like, Doug, you've hardly been able to walk. Let us pray for you. And they were right. My back it hurt bad. It was hurting really bad. Like just a few weeks before that, I had gone bungee jumping with my brother. And so my brother's this like fearless daredevil sort of guy. Okay, so we went to a place where they take pictures of you mid jump. Normally exciting for me, embarrassing. Okay, my brother, he jumps and he has this like amazing, awesome swan dive. He just looks great, midair, diving down. Then you look at my picture and I'm like somehow trying to defy the law of gravity. I'm like kind of like falling with my back, arched back up. Okay, then I get to the bottom of the fall and bam, my body just like flops. Oh, like it hurt. My back, it was hurting bad and so I was like kind of walking around like a pregnant woman for a little while both hands on my hips was like oh man okay love you pregnant ladies thank you for doing that work okay but here's the deal my leaders see this and they're like we want to pray for you and I'm thinking oh no I just like taught the biblical basis for healing what if they pray for me and nothing happens and honestly I was kind of like ashamed of why I was hurt you know like well see, like we should pray for someone afflicted with a disease not me I went bungee jumping that's my fault you know and they're like, no, we're going to pray for you. They didn't let me deflect. They put me in the middle of the room, laid hands on me, they prayed for me. I kid you not, the pain was gone immediately. It was just gone. You know, I was like, this is, this is great. I, I was stunned because, you see, I had theological categories for the power of God to heal, but I hadn't yet tasted the power of prayer in Jesus' healing i had like ways to understand that god might still move miraculously today but i had yet to taste the power of god through prayer, but that night I was healed immediately. The pain was gone. It never came back. I got up, started running around. It didn't hurt. We played capture the flag. I know I went from bungee jumping to capture the flag, but we played capture the flag that night in the church building, never once felt any pain. We, church, we access the very power of God through prayer. Since then, I've had friends who canceled their scheduled ankle surgery because they were healed by Jesus through prayer. I've seen legs like grow before my very eyes, right? They were healed by Jesus through prayer. A friend's dad was rescued back from death. A little girl born with two holes in her heart was healed up, made whole, healthy heart, healthy life, and all. A man was diagnosed with stage four cancer, given two years to live, yet today he's alive, healthy, and well, eight years later, okay, all healed by Jesus through prayer. And these aren't stories that I read in a book or sermons that I heard at a conference. I saw these things, or I could introduce you to the eyewitness testimonies today here in our church. We access the very power of God through prayer. So let's make this personal. In your notes, write this down. Write this down. How have you seen God answer prayer in power? How has he done this in your life? Maybe you or a friend were healed. Maybe he performed, he did some sort of miraculous thing in your life or your friend or family member's life. He came through for you in a pinch, whatever it might be. How have you seen God move to answer your prayer in power, no matter how long ago that was? Now, I want to finish with the flip side. As exciting and as great as it is that we access the very power of God through prayer, there is a flip side, and the flip side is this. I've seen young children die way too young. I've seen parents die of cancer even after their children prayed in faith for many years. I've seen a husband walk out and leave his wife and never repent, even after she prayed in faith for decades. I have a friend whose ankle still hurts on a regular basis, even though he's seen many others get healed. Just as much as I've seen God move in power to heal, I've also seen his precious children suffer through without healing, even when they've prayed. For some of us, it it pains us to hear about God's power to heal because he hasn't extended that power to us. For whatever reason, God, in his sovereign grace, his sovereign mercy, he has chosen to not heal. Not yet, at least. Disappointment in prayer is a real thing. Disappointment in prayer is real. And this is the last thing I want you to write down to make it personal. Last thing. Write down something that you've been praying for for a long time, but God still hasn't answered it the way you wish you would. You've been praying for it for a long time, but he still hasn't answered the way you wish he would. Those circumstances haven't changed. That healing hasn't come. That relationship is still broken, whatever it might be. And for some of you, you've even given up praying about it. Just because it was too painful. You prayed for a few months, a few years. The answer never came, and so it got too painful, too disappointing to keep on praying. And this morning's going to be the first time you've prayed about that in a long time. Because I'm asking you this morning, would you please take up this precious gift of prayer and ask God to move in power? Some of you, you may not be aching for the multitudes to be healed. You would just appreciate a phone call from your son or your daughter. You may not be dreaming of changing the world. You would just appreciate the power to pay rent later this week. You may have given up praying for healing, but this morning, you can start again. Because Jesus understands disappointment in prayer. He gets it. He gets what you're experiencing there. Luke 6, 12. It says, he prayed all night long. All night long in prayer. Then the end of Luke 6, verse 16 says, and he chose who? Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Talk about disappointment in prayer. Father, I spent all night in prayer with you. I prayed about this. And he still chose someone who turned his back on him and betrayed him in the worst of times. Jesus gets disappointment in prayer. In fact, did you know Jesus went to the cross because of disappointment in prayer? Later on in his life, with the cross in view, with his death coming soon, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying. He's saying, Father, is there any other way? Can, is there any way I can like, let this cup not come through me, this cup of suffering? Any other way, Father? And the Father's reply is clearly, no. No. He doesn't spare him the suffering. In fact, the Father ushers him into the suffering. Jesus' prayer didn't get answered the way he wanted it. Therefore, he went to the cross so that he might eternally be the yes to all of your prayers. Listen to that again. Let me say it again. Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating drops of blood in anguish and despair, his prayer did not get answered the way that he wanted it to. Therefore, that means he goes to the cross, and he suffers in your place and my place, so that, here's why, so that he, who he is, Jesus, his person, his presence, he might eternally be the yes to all of our prayers. Here's what that means. You may never get healed this side of heaven, but you get Jesus. Or you may be healed this morning in a few minutes when we pray, and you get Jesus. They, they may never change, they may never repent, but you get Jesus. Or they might change soon, turn and come back to the Lord, and you get Jesus. That check may never come through, but you get Jesus. Or that check may be in your mailbox tomorrow morning, and you get Jesus. You may lose your job, but you'll gain Jesus. Or you may get a better job or a promotion, and you get Jesus. Jesus. Jesus' prayer didn't get answered the way he wanted it. Therefore, he goes to the cross so that he might eternally be the yes to every single one of your prayers. And so church, this morning, we're going to pray. Okay? Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes and would you pray? Would you talk to the Father? You may want to pause right where you're at now and just say, Father, thank you for this answered prayer. Whatever it was that you wrote down, thanks for coming through for me. Thanks for showing up. Thank you for. You might also want to say, Father, and for some of you it's been a while since you've prayed this, you still haven't answered this. At least not the way I want you to answer it. But would you take that back up and bring it to the Father and ask Him to move in power?